Hello, hello, and welcome, or welcome back to the Live Label Free Podcast. Today's episode is another conversation with a former client and extreme hunger course student turned best friend, which is honestly always such a blast. I'm speaking to Valerie, who shares her story, and we specifically dive deep into the experience of extreme hunger from an autistic perspective. I have no doubt you are going to get so much value from my chat with Valerie, so without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome to Live Label Free, the podcast, where you'll learn to let go of limiting labels and embrace your unique brain. As my mom says so beautifully in her song, which is why on this podcast, you'll learn the scientific links between neurodiversity and eating disorders giving you a deeper understanding of how you can face your fears and become truly free. Together, you and me, we will keep putting one foot in front of the other. Hi, Valerie. Welcome to the Live Label Free podcast. I am so excited to have you today. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I mentioned this in the intro of the podcast episode, but Valerie is an extreme hunger course student. She went through extremely hungry to completely satisfied, and she's also autistic. Um, So I'm super excited to chat kind of all things extreme hunger and eating disorder recovery as an autistic person and kind of how it all overlaps and challenges you faced and how you kind of navigated through everything. So before we get into all of that, can you kind of just start off by telling our listeners who you are, what your story is, and kind of um, what brought you here today? Yeah, of course. So obviously, my name is Valerie. Um, I am a math grad student um, and math instructor. So basically, I'm a huge nerd. Um, and yeah, so I just finished um, I just finished grad school, but I'm still working on my thesis. So um, I'm going to be teaching um, in Portland in um, January, so I'm excited about that. Um, but yeah, so my eating disorder started when I was 14. Um, there was kind of a lot of contributing factors to that. Like it's always it's always multifaceted, I guess. But yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, there's you know all the biopsychosocial or whatever. Um, but like so, just before I turned 13, my little brother was still born. So that was kind of I think probably the the first piece there. Um, had a lot of like survivor's guilt, um, kind of the existential question, like why, why he died and why I was still alive. And I mm-hmm. almost had like this need to prove that I like, there was a reason that I was alive, like that I deserved to like be the one that survived. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think like I kind of first turned to, to school. That was kind of my outlet and yeah. my perfectionism with, with grades and with school. And I wanted to be the best and the most hardworking students. And um, in, in eighth grade is the first time I ever got a 4.0. And that's when I decided like, this is something I can control. This is somewhere I can channel my energy. This is something I can be good at. And, um, so I set a goal to, to be the high school valedictorian and, and I was, but like, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't enough. And so I was doing that. And then 
I also, you know, was taking all these AP classes and trying to get the highest SAT score and just like really, really channeling a lot of energy into school. And um, around the same time, like the summer before high school, I took like a health and nutrition class trying to get ahead of my high school credits. And I also started running more around that time um, because I was practicing with like the um, the high school cross country team. And I also had my transfer request um, denied. So I was trying to transfer to get to um, go to the same high school as all my friends. And my family had moved and I was in a different district. So I had to go to a different high school um, than all of my middle school friends. And I basically knew nobody. And I kind of realized that this was like I could start over. Right. I, I'm at a new school. I don't know anyone. I can focus on school and exercise and food and kind of these new hyper fixations. And nobody here like knows me. I can kind of like reinvent myself, I guess, but like in like the worst way possible. Right. Because like I didn't. Well, you think it's the best way at the time. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm like, this is going to be great. Yeah. But um, and so, yeah, of course, that's kind of when my eating disorder started and I lost a bunch of weights and I was technically not like underweight at that point though so like um I mean throughout this whole thing I never was diagnosed with anything because I never fit into any of the categories like at the same time like I had like symptoms from all sorts of different kinds of eating disorders right and like it was I never really fit the mold um yeah it's like we 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 don't recognize you in the textbook so you don't exist right yeah yeah. and I was also really good at hiding it too so like I think that was part of it but yeah um, so in high school, yeah, I mean, I was going to different therapists and dietitians and cardiologists, you know, the super low heart rate and I lost my period and I had the hair thinning, like all of that. Yeah. And at one point, like treatment was brought up. Like if I, you know, didn't, if, I, if you don't start eating more, like if you don't gain some weight, like you're going to have to like go somewhere. And so I was like, that scared me more than anything because I knew I'd have to like give up school. Right. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, that's another control thing that I'm not willing to give up. So right. Um, I was like, okay, well, I have to do something to like prove that like everything's fine, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, I'm gonna start eating more. But that's when like kind of the the orthorexic tendencies kind of took over. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, I'll eat more, but only if I can control what and when and how much. And then I also was increasing the exercise. Um, so I'm like, okay, well, I'll maintain my weight, but I'm not gaining any weight, right? Like, right. kind of just walking the slime. And then, um. So I kind of did that all throughout high school. And then I went off to college and my appetite was was growing, right? Like you'd, it kind of just, once you kind of create that energy debt, it just like exacerbates over time. And yeah. if you're kind of living paycheck to paycheck with food, like if you're just maintaining, you're, you're living paycheck to paycheck and maintaining this, this weight that's too low and you have this yeah. energy debt never paid off and you, you feel crazy around food. Like <laughs> that's kind of how it was. And yeah. Um, like my exercise was increasing because I was on my own. So I didn't have like my parents there. And so I was exercising more. And even though I was eating more, I, I lost more weight my first semester of, of college. And I came home and my parents were like, okay, like you, you have to like get this figured out or you're not going to be able to go back basically. Yeah. And at this point I was, I was underweight. And um, so I'd kind of regained some weight to then maintain for a bit and then lose it again. And it was kind of in this sort of like partial recovery where I was willing to eat more, but I also right. had all this, like compensation and stuff. And right. yeah, so um, I was like, you know, this is good enough because like I can eat a lot of food and I'm not gaining weight and like people aren't as like concerned about it because I'm eating. Right. Yeah. And then there's all this other stuff kind of going on behind the surface that I felt crazy around food. Um, and like, yeah, 
I appear fine, but I'm exercising like crazy. And it's just like mentally, the mental aspect was not fine. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and I kind of maintained that until grad school, but honestly, like you can't compromise with an eating disorder forever. Like that's really yeah. what it is. Partial recovery is like trying to find the, a compromise and your, your eating disorder is not going to be satisfied with that. So yeah. in grad school, I kind of started slipping backwards. And then at that point I was actually at my, my lowest weight and that's when my body really started fighting back and mm-hmm. kind of when the extreme hunger started, which we will, we'll get to in a little bit, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because um, just I'm I'm gonna reflect on everything you just said because we've talked about this before. How our stories like they're different, obviously. Like everyone's story is different, but so much of what you describe resonates deeply with me. And you know, it started in school. Like I need to be perfect. I need to be be the best. I need to prove right that I'm worthy. And we've talked in our chats before about like overcompensating as an autistic person like right. the over explaining um to almost be like what well, if i just uh blurt out everything that i know then you'll think i'm smart right um then yeah. or like um ex- exactly what you're saying like if i prove that i can get these good grades people won't think i'm weird or i'm different or exactly, it almost justifies like that nerd status yeah 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 if you yeah. feel like you're not good enough at anything else you want to like be extra good at school right or like right yeah, and then obviously that manifests into an eating disorder. And I mean, I've talked about before also in my book about how when you have an autistic person that also doesn't even know they're autistic um, and mix that with food and exercise, it's the ultimate recipe for an eating disorder. If you take, you know, the hyperfixation, the special interest, the perfectionism, the difficulty with change, you know, wanting to control things, it's like obviously that's going to manifest into food and exercise because moving and eating are things that every single person needs to do every single day for the rest of their lives um and you know i i do see an eating disorder as as an addiction and i often get asked you know why don't people like smoke or drink alcohol and i'm like well when you're that young 11 12 13 14 you don't have access to these things but you have access to you know food and and movement um and and kind of what you said about learning about health and nutrition um, as you read in my book, Rainbow Girl, <laughs> um, then anyone who's listened has read my book, you know, autistic people tend to take things very literally. So if you're reading about, oh, sugar causes diabetes and, uh, you know, this is unhealthy, you need to exercise for minimum of 60 minutes a day. I was like, if I don't do these things, if I don't follow these recommendations, like I'm going to become unhealthy. And then that yes, black and but... white perfectionistic side is like, we need to do everything exactly this way. Um, and yeah, also what you said about, you know, the socially acceptable ways to restrict, you know, I'm going to eat super clean and healthy. Um, like for me, I was vegan at some point. I was vegetarian at some point. I was like, now I'm going to only eat like whole foods plant-based. Um, I was put on the low FODMAP diet because I had IBS, which was basically just me having digestive issues because my relationship with food was so fucked up right um and i i tried to find all these external ways you know to feel at peace and feel in control um but i mean it's that famous saying like the more you try and control something outside of you like the more that thing controls you and that's what causes you to feel crazy around food and that feeling crazy around food is is really that that mental hunger piece of 
constantly thinking about what, when, why, how will you're going to eat, how you're going to exercise to make up for it, right? And then the moment you're with oh, me, no, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I used to, you know, every morning I would go and do my, do my run and the whole time I'd be like planning like, okay, this is what I'm going to eat later. This is what I'm going to eat tomorrow. This is what I ate yesterday. And it's like, honestly, mm-hmm. the, like every day was kind of the same. It was like Groundhog's Day. And so I'm like, oh, why, yeah. I don't really need to be planning this, but yeah, yeah. definitely. It's like, it like becomes a math equation, (laughs) which is is funny and it fits your personality totally. Yeah, because I feel like that's a very autistic thing is I either, when I speak to autistic people, they either are very good at mathematics um, and like they love the subject or they're like totally not my thing. Um, I feel like there's no in between. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I was one of those people that, you know, in my free time, I would just go do algebra homework and my my sisters were like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> and I'd be oh like, no, gosh, well, yeah. like, I, I loved it. I once it. brought um, my calculus book on the plane because we were going to Hawaii. And I was like, okay, well, uh-huh. I can finish my homework on the plane on the way there. Yeah. And the the TSA agents had like apparently never seen anyone bring a textbook on a plane before. And so they like stopped me and they confiscated my book and they were like flipping through it. They were convinced I had like hollowed out my calculus textbook to like smuggle stuff or whatever. And so I got like holed up in security and I'm like, I promise you, it's just a math book. I'm just a nerd. Like I'm just trying to finish my homework. And yeah, that's, it was, that's it was so funny actually that you mentioned that about the security. Like, I feel like this is off topic, but Another thing that I found is apparently really common among autistic people is we are always like suspected by security guards. And I, this like first happened to me when I was in my eating disorder and I was just, I looked like a skeleton, honestly. And whenever I'd go to this one grocery store, there was this huge buff security guard. guard. He would always follow me. And sometimes, you know, m- my parents would come with me and they'd be like, why the fuck is that guy following you? And I'd be like, I don't know. He always follows me. And, you know, I thought it was because, you know, I looked like that. But then later in my life, when I looked healthy on the outside, even though I was still struggling with an eating disorder, right? Um, People would still follow me around. And then later on, there was this reels that I saw on Instagram about some, I don't remember the account, but they were saying, yeah, whenever I go to the store, security guards follow me. And then reading through the comments, like all these autistic people are like, oh my gosh, I thought I was the only one. And and I thought about like, why is that? Um, But I think it's almost like we are so hyper alert and hyper aware of our surroundings that it, it maybe looks like we're like really cautious or something that I feel like maybe Suspicious. security guards yeah. are like, why is this person acting like that? I don't know. This is just my theory, but I just thought that was super interesting. Um, And yeah, I used to always bring my homework when we would go out to dinner. I would just bring my homework and while we were waiting for the food... Um, I would just be doing my homework and my family's like, Livia, this is so weird. Like, why don't you just talk with the family? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. but I don't want to talk to you. Like, I, I just want to do my homework. <laughs> um, yeah. I just say the same thing when we had like two minutes left of class and I was like pulling out my, my homework and they're like, everyone else is like on their phone or talking to their friends. And you're like over here, like trying to get in two math problems before the bell rings. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Right. Like always trying to make as much use of your time as possible um which yeah i feel like it's it becomes our achilles heel because at the same time i feel like we never allow ourselves that rest to just be and to just let the time pass um which can cause that like constant state of like feeling rushed and feeling in fight or flight mode um which i'm writing a book about now and valerie i actually quote one of your messages in that book because you said it's so funny olivia how you're writing a book about getting out of burnout while you're in burnout 
and I actually quote that sentence in my book. Um, but yeah, I'll have to tell you about that later. Um, but yeah, you kind of explained, you know, how slowly over time, you know, your body can't sustain restriction. Um, and that like energy debt is building up, that energy deficit is building up. Um, and the extreme hunger comes into the picture. So kind of going off that, what was your experience with extreme hunger like? specifically as an autistic person? Yeah, um, well, if I had to summarize it in one word, I would just say chaotic because it really was like, yeah. it was, it felt totally out of control, um, which I realized now that I had that extreme hunger for years. Like I never, I never lost my appetite. Like a lot of people like lose their hunger cues. Like I was yeah. never one of them. Like the whole time, I mean, it, it definitely had the mental hunger, but the physical hunger too. Mm-hmm. And when I realized that I couldn't really resist that, that physical hunger or that mental hunger, that's when I was, you know, compensating with the exercise. So yeah. I'm like, okay, well, I, I really want to eat. So I'm going to eat this food and then like, I don't want to gain weight. And, um, but I was kind of only giving in conditionally in undergrad, right? Like I was only with, with healthy food and only with compensation and basically trying to eat as much as I could without gaining weight. And so, um, at, at dinner, we'd have the dining hall and it was unlimited food. And I would kind of like be like, okay, well, I know I'm going to eat way too much at dinner. So I'm going to eat less during the day. Cause like right. when there's unlimited food available, I like, like all my willpower went out the window. I'm like, okay, well, like as much as I tried to eat like a normal person, I was just eating everything. And I felt crazy because I'm like, I, I still want more food. And even though I'm like bloated and full and it was just, it was like every day that was happening. And then I was like, okay, well now the next day I would exercise and try to eat less in the morning. And then like, it was just this constant cycle. And so, yeah, I convinced myself that like I had to be eating enough, right? I couldn't actually have an eating disorder since I was eating more than like most everyone around me. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm eating all this food. Like this, this can't be a problem, right? Like, um, but my body was obviously sending clear signals that it wasn't enough food for me specifically. Like, your body doesn't care what everyone else is eating or like the number of calories you're eating or how much other people exercise. Like your body literally does not care. All it cares about is, is it's enough for you or not. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. So then in grad school, when I I kind of like dropped weight again and um, all these like new behaviors kind of started popping up with this extreme hunger, like um, I was feeling like even more obsessed with food than usual. And I started like, stealing food from my roommates and taking stuff from like the trash at like the school cafeteria or the mall. It's like, there's like all my willpower and discipline, like just went out the window. And like, I, I did a lot of research and I know that those sorts of behaviors and like kleptomania, like hoarding food, like are all oh like, my God. yeah, I did that so bad. I had this whole in our kitchen. There was this whole, we have a huge kitchen back at home where I don't live anymore, but I had this whole section of the kitchen that was just mine. Like it was labeled Livia's food. And I, I was so, I was so hyper aware, like, my family would joke, but then like, in a really serious way, because they were terrified of me that like, if they moved one, like, oatmeal flake, I would know. (laughs) Like, because I would be checking this, this cabinet, like, many multiple times per day, I would check that everything, you know, kind of like that all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed. It was like me and that cabinet. I, just the amount of food I had stocked up, like food that I would take me years to eat, honestly. <laughs> um, it was just like perfect. And I just, yeah, I would, I was so afraid that my, my family would touch it, but I made it very clear, like, this is my food. You can't touch it. And 
I mean, looking back, it just, from a biological perspective, makes so much sense. Because if you starved, if you were deprived of one of the most vital human resources, obviously you're going to act like like a psychopath <laughs> because you're right? protecting your survival. Yes. Um, and yeah, you, you brought up a really interesting word. You said the word willpower. Um, and well, one word, two words, discipline, and three words, normal person. Um, I guess that's technically four words. <laughs> Willpower, discipline, and, and like, normal. Um, I yeah. think these are so... I just... I Okay, there's so many directions I can go in here. Um, But first of all, I think the fact, you know, that you say, all my willpower went out the window and I couldn't behave like a normal person, I almost think that's, like, a paradox in and of itself because I'm like... The fact that your body is taking over to help you survive, I mean, that just goes to show how normal your body actually is. Um, right. It doesn't right. feel normal since it's so, like, a total 180 from from yeah. before. But that's, like, the point, right? Is that it's, supposed to, it's right. helping you get back to normal. But it's, like, it's not going to feel normal when you haven't been living normally up until that point. Right. And and even with willpower, I, I think that's another interesting one is how we attach uh, not being able to resist food anymore is lacking willpower. But I feel like that isn't even part of the equation. You know, it, it's saying like to a, a wild lion that is hunting for prey, um, that he lacks willpower if he if he's um if he's not hunt hunting. It, it's like it doesn't make any sense, right? Because like biologically, we are primed to eat to need food because because we need nutrients. So You're not supposed to be using willpower, exactly. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. So, and and I think you know, if you truly lacked willpower, you would not be getting good grades in school. Like, you would be lacking willpower in all these other areas of your life as well. But the fact that it was only around food means that there's willpower is not even in the in the equation. Um, math pun intended. Um, it's yeah, and I, again, normal. Like, I think we really need to reframe this this idea of what is normal coming from this chronic energy deficit and again i always want to stress you that you don't need to have been underweight you know you don't need to have been that person that was only eating one celery stick per day for five years because i feel like another one of those topics that comes up a lot is like oh i don't deserve extreme hunger because i didn't restrict bad enough i didn't restrict long enough That's, right i wasn't sick enough it's, but it's like None of that matters. Like all that matters is that you were not in eating enough for your specific body and your body is going to do everything it needs to do to try to get you back to that place of energy balance. Do you think about food all the time? Perhaps you constantly look at what others are eating and compare your intake to theirs. Or maybe you know that what you're experiencing is called mental hunger, except you don't feel that your mental hunger is valid. If so, you are not alone, my friend. For years, I was consumed by food thoughts. My entire life revolved around when, what, where, and how I was going to eat. I secretly wanted others to eat more so that I felt I could eat more and I would equally become upset when others ate less because I believed I would then have to eat less too. If I had any appointments or events that involved food, I would spend days, if not weeks, ruminating on how I would quote-unquote balance my intake and create a buffer to ensure I didn't go over my planned amounts. 
If you resonate with any of that, I don't think I have to tell you that thinking about food 24-7 is absolutely exhausting. Not only does it steal your precious brain space, but being obsessed with food steals your life away. If you want to gain your life back, or rather, discover a new one so you can finally experience the peace and mental calm that comes with being fully recovered, my course, Extremely Hungry to Completely Satisfied, is here to help. Extremely Hungry to Completely Satisfied is a self-paced virtual online program that guides you through every step you need to take to go from being obsessed with food to living a life of freedom. It contains eight modules that dive deep into topics including how to recognize different types of hunger, how to differentiate mental hunger from emotional eating, how you should eat to stop binging, tips for coping with weight gain, information on weight overshoot and when you'll reach your natural set point weight, how to heal digestive issues, what it takes to balance your hormones, and so much more. Everything I've ever been asked about overcoming extreme hunger, you'll find it in my course. Enroll in Extremely Hungry to Completely Satisfied today by visiting the link livelabelfree.com forward slash course. So that's livelabelfree.com forward slash course. I cannot wait for you to embark on your journey to freedom. And now let's get back to today's episode. So yeah, I mean, thank you so much for sharing kind of that chaotic story. I I feel like that's the perfect word to describe it. Um, but yeah, I do yeah, kind I of. Mean, I think a lot of it's like not not talked about, right? Because people are just like, yeah, they. I mean, your brain, you're you're gonna be like doing these crazy things because your your brain is basically flooded with all of these like compulsions, things that like you wouldn't normally be doing if you weren't in this like energy deprived right. state, but has your body needs more food and it doesn't yeah. really care. Like it's your primal brain survival instincts. They don't really care like whose food it is or where it comes from. Like they don't right. care about any of that. Like they right. just, you're seeking food. And yeah. so you feel, you feel crazy. You feel compulsive. You feel like, yeah, you're just like, why am I doing like all of these crazy things? And it's really just your brain, like trying to, trying to protect you. And at a certain point, like, you know, I realized I couldn't really fight it. And yeah. That trying to do this like kind of in like a slow and controlled way which I had tried like at one point during undergrad I was like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna eat desserts and then you know I could never eat just one I would eat like five and then I was like it scared me right I'm like I don't, I don't understand why I'm allowing these things now and I'm eating more of them and so I kind of went back to like you know nope that's that's not happening like no no dessert and so this time around I was like you know like I, this, these compulsive like behaviors are making me crazy. And like, I realized, you know, once you start allowing these new foods, like it's, it's going to feel crazy, but you have to let go of all of those rules and not replace them with new ones because like, that's, that's what keeps you stuck, right? You're like, okay, well I'll eat more, but I'm going to exercise more. And then it's like, you're just, it's a catch 22. And like, you really can't recover from the rules and restrictions, like through more of the same. Right. Like trying to right. limit the amount of foods you're like, okay, well I'll have I'll have cookies but only one or like I'll yeah. you know, I'll exercise less, but you know, I'm gonna do this instead, like um or trying to control the weight of um the rate of like weight gain and stuff. And um so I finally had to just start, like buying all the things that I that I wanted that I didn't want to spend money on, but like and eating them with like the unconditional permission and it honestly felt more chaotic before it felt less chaotic because that eating induced hunger and 
like my hunger just increased at first. I became like, I just felt like I was more obsessed. I'm like, what the heck? Like, I just bought all these cookies. Like, why do I feel even crazier? And yeah, like all the food scavenging and like the stealing behaviors and stuff like weren't like going away right away. And I still just felt crazy. But um, yeah, eating, you know, boxes of cookies or bags of granola and like the granola. The butter. Yeah, yeah. The granola, yeah. Like, that was- <laughs> yeah, yeah, backstory. We um, backstory for, for our listeners. It's like me and Valerie have been chatting for months almost like I don't even know how long for a long time and we were sharing about like our typical extreme hunger foods and granola was like for both of us just such a major one I could like how do you that word for like I could basically drink granola like that's how bad it was (laughs) and something you were also saying about how like your primitive brain takes over when it comes to food and desserts something that I found during my own extreme hunger was that I would just eat things that I didn't even like. I didn't even enjoy yes, it, but I would just like, I remember going to the fridge, just grabbing a stick of butter and taking a giant ass bite out of it. And I'm like, now, like now the idea of taking a bite of butter, I'm like, like gag. Yeah, but like, I, in that I moment, point, like, it was like condiments calories. and stuff. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Nobody just like eats like mustard. Like what? Like, why would I ever yeah. do that? Yeah. But, yeah. I, I, yeah. Like, or yeah. It's just like, again, your brain doesn't care if you like the food or like, if it's not even your, like your brain is just like, there's food and you're going right. to eat it. Like, and you don't have a choice. And exactly. That's what it feels like. But yeah. So um, kind of going off all of that, I think um, we just dove into really the extreme hunger piece. I'm wondering, um, how, do you feel like there were additional challenges um, in your extreme hunger recovery journey due, due to the fact that you are autistic? Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't really know because I don't know what it's like to to not be, right? Like, I don't know. Right, right, right. You know, that's a really good point. (laughs) Um, Yeah, like, I didn't actually really know that I was, that I was autistic. Um, Like, my parents had kind of always suspected it when I was younger because I was, like, sensitive to noise and lights and stuff. Like, but you know those like automatic flushing toilets like those scared the oh my heck God. out of me yeah I, I would re- refuse like I'm like I'm not I'm not going to the bathroom like we're just gonna have to go home because like I will not right. do it and at one point my dad like put his hat like over over like the the thing and I like wouldn't I didn't bring his hat back out so I'm like I didn't want to take it off because then it wasn't gonna <laughs> anyway yeah so this like the noise and the light sensitivities I always had um I never really like had an easy time making friends with people my age. Like I, I hung out with my parents and with adults and stuff when I was right. younger. And I was just mature for my age and, um, you know, good at math. And like, I had the, the hyperlexia, like I was very talkative when I was younger, like a very big vocabulary. I would be two and people would be like, why aren't you in school? And my mom's like, she's, she's two. And huh. um, yeah, so I never really thought much of it until I started kind of doing some research. And it was really prompted by um, a post of yours about like how autism and, um, can be like and even the sort of can be almost like a form of like autistic like masking yeah and so I was like okay that's interesting and I just thought it was really interesting and so I started kind of doing some more research and you know YouTube videos and checklists and I took like the autism quotient and the looked at the DSM-5 and all these other tests and I learned that like so many of like my my little quirks were like autistic traits right like yeah being sure for my age as a kid but then kind of like childlike as an adult and having these childish yeah. like special interests and stuff and I hate hating the eye contact, um, being like really smart, yet also like really dumb. Like we have so many stories of being just like a total dumb blonde. And my family is just like, here you are like doing calculus in your sleep. And like, you can't like figure out like a simple task, like filling up an ice cube tray, like, (laughs) like just like little things. 
and um, like scripting conversations. Like sometimes I can't tell if people are being sarcastic. Um, I take things, you know, the literal thinking, like, yeah. and so I was like, wow, this is, this is me. Right. And my family was like, not at all surprised. They're like, yeah, that's sounds right. Like <laughs> there's all of these things. And I think like through recovery, it's kind of gotten more obvious since I'm not so like rigid and controlled with like the food and the exercise. My, my personality isn't like as suppressed anymore. And so I'm kind of more like my, my younger, like quirky, like self again. Yeah. But, um, as for how it relates to the extreme hunger, um, I think that just, you know, autistic people in general have a hard time with, with change and with like not having any sort of rigidity. And I mean, there was no structure. So extreme hunger, like, yeah, it like, like, it's like you autism has to like go out the window. Right. Yeah. I was like, okay, so I guess I'm just going to eat constantly now. And like, um, you know, I'm not like perfectly planning my, my meals and like exactly what I'm and how much I'm going to eat. Like, Nope, like you're just you're just gonna eat every twenty minutes for now right. and for like oh my god, five yeah. like constantly like- eating. Yeah, I felt like too. I was like, I I'm literally eating the entire day. Like I would be so full. I'd be like laying on the couch. I'd be like joking that I'm like looking pregnant and all this stuff. And then twenty minutes later, I'm just like, I want to eat an entire cake right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was exactly yeah. And so you're just like you're going through all the, the physical changes and then, um, you know, you're getting, like, I gained weight super fast. Right. And like so much of it very rapidly. And then your appetite is just crazy. And you're like, I don't have any of this, the structure that I relied on. Like I wasn't like exercising as much and, um, just like eating constantly. And I feel like all of my like discipline and all of my motivation to like do other things is like, was like gone like all I'm like my body's like nope we're resting and eating that's what we're doing and right right because all that energy you know needs to go to the healing process um and I think you know there's so much fear around extreme hunger um especially from that autistic perspective if you know wanting to be in control wanting to have these routines in place and I think one of the hardest parts about extreme hunger for me was that it was so incredibly unpredictable like if I think if I knew like I'd be eating five um apple pies and two pints of ice cream and two joes of nutella and one jar of peanut butter and two loaves of bread I'd be like okay I can mentally prepare for this but it was like the eating-induced hunger, that, that term you mentioned, um, and I want to touch on my course in a bit, was that, like, I would think that I was hungry for, I don't know, two Nutella sandwiches. And as soon as I was done, I was like, well, now I'm more hungry than I was before I started eating. And it, yeah. it would open the floodgates to what I call hunger land. <laughs> like, and, and it's like you have to, like, kind of walk through, kind of candy land, I guess, but, like, walk through the whole the whole game before it's like okay now you're done <laughs> um yeah I and I would try to like you know eat like little bits of things I'm like okay well I'm gonna have a little bit of this a little bit of this and I'm just like picking at like all these different things and then I'm like eventually you know you kind of just start you yeah. just eat it and I'm like I guess I guess I'm eating the whole thing like and right. so yeah it's yeah it was definitely chaotic um it's kind of like a, it's like a pendulum right like you have all these rules and control and stuff. And then when you let go of that, like it's that equal and opposite reaction, right? Which you, you always talk yeah. about. Like, Isaac Newton, maybe who was also autistic. Yep. It's going to yeah. be in the other direction. And then like, eventually it'll kind of come to that equilibrium point, but it's going to feel really like a complete 180 from what you're used to. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of, you just mentioned the pendulum, which is like, honestly, all of Isaac Newton's work is just like, I use it for so many things that, I do and write about like even that book I'm writing about now of like 
overcoming autistic burnout um i talk about like how freedom and boundaries are like two sides of the same coin and how isaac newton like discovered gravity <laughs> and this is obviously totally off topic but um yeah i i talk about isaac newton and that pendulum metaphor in my course and in blog posts and in other podcast episodes um and you also mentioned a few terms like energy deficit energy debt um eating induced hunger you know um unrestricted eating a ton of terms that that are in my course extremely hungry to completely satisfied so i'm really curious how you ultimately found my course and what inspired you to you know say you know i'm committing to this i'm committing to this whole extreme hunger thing and i'm going to use this as a tool yeah um so I found your course through me doing excessive amounts of research on my own because <laughs> like, you know, I think another autistic thing is like, you always need to understand why, like, I need to know yeah. the reason, like, why is this happening? Why am I eating all this food? Like, I needed to know the science behind it. I needed to know the reason I needed there to be an explanation, like something that had to be logical, it had to make sense for me to be willing to like, be okay with it. And um, so yeah, I'm doing all this research and I'm learning about like this extreme hunger and stuff and I mean, I read so many different blogs and like articles and stuff. And I'm just like, okay, I'm basically like could be an expert on this now, honestly. like It's like your special can, like, interest. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember like telling my mom about it before because I, I was like, because I was at school this whole time. So I was like by myself and like with roommates, but like I didn't have my family or anything. And so I'd like call her and I'd just be like, you know, I'm like eating all this food. And then I'd, t- I'd tell her about like extreme hunger. And she's just like listening to me like rant. And I'm like rambling about like all of this research I've been doing. But um, so much of it is like conflicting, though. And that like really yeah. was like hard for me because I was like, it doesn't it doesn't match. Like I don't like all the inconsistencies was really like yeah. getting to me. I'm just like, well, I want to do this right. You know, like, right. I want to. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing right like I wanted to do school right I wanted to do like you know exercise and food right and then I'm like I need to do recovery right like what am I supposed to be doing right now like how am I supposed to make this go away and I mean some people are like you know you should do this like in a slow and controlled way like allow right. yourself to you know, have a cookie and stuff and I'm just like if I allow myself to have a cookie like am I, I want to eat all like, of it yeah like I want to eat all of them yeah and it's like am I supposed to like intentionally be like no we're only gonna have one cookie or should I just like you know let myself eat all of them and like it was just, it was just really confusing of like, what, like, what was going to get me there fastest, like, what was going to be best. And one of the quotes that you have said before, um, like the, the mind thinks what the heart knows, right. And I'm like, I know that trying to like, control this process and trying to like fight my body and fight this hunger. And like, it's just gonna like exacerbate it. It's just gonna make it worse. Like, I have to let go. And so finding your, your course and like your articles and just your blog and stuff, I was like, okay, that's what she did. Like, she was like, you know, fully was like, all right, I guess we're eating, you know, two bags of granola today. And that's just what's gonna happen. And like, I'm like, okay, she did that. She made it out. Like, her, like, all of your stuff just like made sense to me. Like your, your course, like your, your blog. I'm like, well, this is like, the perspective that seems to make the most sense to me. Because like, I just, I like, couldn't understand how like, trying to, like, like how you're supposed to learn to trust your body when you're not trusting your body. Cause everyone's right. like, well, you can't trust your body right away. Like you have to, you know, do it like slow and controlled and like kind of get your body like primed up. And I'm like, no, like your body has been fighting for you this whole time and you've been right. resisting. it. And so I'm like, the only way you can build back that trust is by completely letting go and not trying to like ease into trusting your body. Like that doesn't make sense. Right. So 
yeah, yeah it's like it's, it's like saying you need to dive into the swimming pool but like do it slowly <laughs> it's like it doesn't yeah. work that way and like maybe that works for some people but for me I'm like if I'm just trying to like restrain that's like you know I don't know it's just like letting it, it out like, really it creates slowly. more pain yeah it's yeah. It, it makes me think of that like ancient quote of like pain is inevitable but like suffering is resistance to the pain um yeah. and and yeah I loved that you just said like my stuff just like made sense because I'm so the same with like, I need to understand why something's happening to like make any conclusions or like this, make any kind of decision. Like if someone tells me like, this is the way it is now do that. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like I need to know exactly what's happening here. It needs to make sense in my brain. Once I can like put all the puzzle pieces together, then I can take, um, controlled action basically <laughs> um so so yeah I, i'm so glad to hear that and and obviously that's why i created my course because it is there is so much contradictory evidence like you have the the intuitive eating people saying like oh too slowly like you have to eat more mindfully like you need to train yeah. your brain to like appreciate food but i was like if i try and put my fork down between trying to shovel 20 pancakes down that like that's more torturous to me than just not eating the pancakes at all yeah I was like reading that kind of stuff and they're like well you know you have to get your your hunger and fullness cues back and so you want to focus on that first and then like reintroduce like these these spear foods and stuff and I'm like well like the only thing I'm wanting to eat right now is like cookies and granola and like pizza and stuff so I'm like so am I supposed to just like not allow those foods until I'm like feeling full again and then I can and so I'm like, that doesn't make sense. That's, that's like still just restriction of like food right. type and, or like, you know, okay, like have one cookie, like after your meal. And I'm just like, anyway, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. And your yeah. course did. And I was like, okay, well, I, I need to just like pick a side, right? Like I need yeah. to stop going back and forth and being like, well, this person says this and this person says this. And it's like, nobody is like truly in authority. I feel like, you know, everyone has their yeah. own ideas. And at the end of the day, you have to listen to to your own body and kind of like not everything that everyone posts is going to resonate with every person. It's just not possible. So you have to kind of go with what resonates with you, I guess. Yeah. I love that you, you said that because it's actually bringing up something else that I don't want to dive too deep into. Um, But you know, the internet is, is a tricky place. And speaking of trust, you know, you really can't trust much of what you see or read online Um, because I actually, me and my mom are trying to figure this lawsuit thing right now because we found out that another eating disorder recovery coach has literally copy and pasted entire pages of my website and said it said it is using it as their own on their website even even the parts about like their story is like my story. okay yeah. Like, and yeah, and it's just, you know, it's, and it just made me realize, like, if I already, as this, like, autistic eating disorder recovery coach, like, if people are already copying me, like, how bad must this be, like, in the rest of the world? And I think for me, the most frustrating part isn't even the fact that they copied me. It's just, like, the injustice, um, which is, like, yeah. another autistic thing. <laughs> but yeah, kind of, yeah. kind of going off topic, but here, but, um, I, I think the main message, um, what you said is, you know, you're always whatever you believe you're always going to find something on the internet that's going to contradict it or whatever one person says you're gonna find information that's going to contradict it like uh, 30 years ago like the egg yolks were like the devil's egg and you could not 
okay, that's totally a bad deviled egg because I know that's a thing. Um, egg yolks were like the most toxic thing you could eat. And now, you know, you have all the healthy influencers like egg yolks contain all the vital nutrients and like, like, you know, fats were bad. And, and, and then it's like, no, but like you need to like add a stick of butter to your coffee so you can like help your <laughs> insulin and like intermittent fasting. Like everything is constantly changing. Um, But like you said, I think when we give ourselves the permission to be like, this is what I want, I'm going to follow that. I think that's when you stop being a slave to your external circumstances or kind of these shoulds or whatever you feel you should do. And you say, this is what my, like, there's a reason your body craves granola and cookies and Nutella and all the quote unquote junk food. It's because that's exactly what your body needs to quickly gain energy. Right. Yeah. Yeah, like, I I have a joke in my upcoming Extreme Hunger book that's, like, there's a reason you don't daydream about eating bowls and bowls of sliced cucumber, right? <laughs> because right, that's the last thing you And that's kind of what I was trying to do, like, in undergrad. I'm like, okay, well, I'm really hungry, so I'm going to eat lots of chicken and vegetables and fruit and, like, brown rice. And, like, it didn't, it didn't, like, then I was just, like, really bloated because it's, like, all this high-volume stuff. And, right. like, I, I'm still hungry. So, yeah. Right. Because, because, and I think that's kind of where that difference between being full and being satisfied comes in because it was like i could feel physically full after eating you know a block of tofu and 500 cups of steamed broccoli and my whole grain brown rice and my you know my hummus made with no oil and no salt but i'm like yeah but right now i still want that chocolate cake that i wanted before i forced myself to eat this quote-unquote healthy meal then i'd eat the chocolate cake and like eat it like a crazy woman because i was like now i'm even more impatient for it because i wanted it two hours ago and then you just feel more shitty because you're more bloated, you're more full. Um, and, you know, that's why, like, when it comes to extreme hunger, just honor exactly what you want. And in the moment, like, that's the fastest way to get through it. Because, you know, like you said, there's this, like, slow slow recovery approach and, like, stretching out the process. But, like, that just makes it more more miserable because your body... Just kind of the band-aid off. Like... <laughs> yeah, like, your body does keep score of everything you've eaten it's only going to stop thinking about food once it's kind of come back into that energy balance and like you can make it take like a year or you can make it take a few months but in my opinion like everyone has autonomy like power of choice you know how you want to do it but like it's going to be a lot longer and more miserable if you try and stretch it out and if you try and restrict yourself because in the end you can't heal from restriction by restricting that's like a paradox in and of itself that partial recovery like that's exactly what kept me stuck yeah so we you know we kind of just talked about like what you needed to do to get out of the extreme hunger and i think again it it all does come down in the end to 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 shifting your mindset to giving yourself permission um and to really reframe like what's normal and what's bad and what's unhealthy kind of thing so that leads me to my next question which is how has your mindset about extreme hunger and recovery changed um after completing my course yeah I mean I think now it's obviously a lot easier once I'm kind of looking back at it instead right. of when mindset I was, is always 2020 <laughs> yeah exactly because I'm like you should see it as a positive and I'm like well when I was going through it like I definitely did not see it as a positive yeah. I was like the worst thing ever I wouldn't wish this upon anyone right but um now I'm like you know it's it feels it feels chaotic but like that's your body taking over because for so long you weren't giving your body what it needed to and finally it's just like 
I'm done waiting. Like, you know, like I'm not going to wait for her to like, you know, eat all of the things that she's wanting to eat. Like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to force, like your body is forcing yeah. you to like give in to all of that. And like, it feels like, like it feels wrong, but that's, that's a, that's a good thing. That's your body like keeping you alive. And so I think being able to kind of see that as, as a, as a positive thing, or at least like a neutral thing rather than like, yeah. the worst thing yes, module eight. <laughs> Yeah. And just like being able to kind of trust the process and understand that like resisting is only going to make it worse and that it won't last forever. And that the sooner you let go, the sooner it's over. And obviously the timeline's different for everyone. I know some people right. are like a year of extreme hunger, like a month. And like mine was like four or five months of like constant. And then honestly, even now, like I'm like, what? Seven, it comes eight, back like, sometimes. I'll have too. like a day or two where like, honestly, like two days ago, I just like didn't even really want cereal but like I saw the cereal and the next thing I knew I ate like half the box of cereal and I was like okay I guess I guess I needed more food today so but like also being able to see it like you're not freaking out I'm like I I guess I needed I guess I needed more carbs today and like that's kind of just like all like I'm not like oh my gosh like what am I like you know there's not as much like freak out and so kind of just the more like food neutrality I guess yeah I think I think food neutrality right like that's like the whole foundation of of live live label free is i think when you when you stop attaching that more those more that morality to food or you know ways of living why can i not talk um ways of living (laughs) um you stop saying this is good or bad and you just say this is what it is and i accept that and i give myself permission you know it's like you stop attaching power you stop giving other things power and i believe that is true freedom when you stop letting other people decide how you're going to eat when you stop allowing diet culture to decide when you stop allowing numbers to decide and you just say this is what i need this is just it and and yeah like you said sometimes for me especially in the week that i ha- have my period <laughs> like it's like i have extreme hunger all over again for an entire week and like last week i was eating i ate like 10 pancakes in one sitting and i'm like what what just happened um but but then i got my period the next day and i'm like that makes sense like i just needed more energy and you know, it, it goes in waves and I still have to say like, it, it's not fun because it's unpredictable and I don't like unpredictability. Yeah. Never yeah. have, never will. Um, because <laughs> that's just me. Um, but at the same time, again, like the more I resist it, the more painful it's going to be. Um, so yeah, yeah except your body, like finding its balance, like everyone's going to have that own unique balance. And, yes. um, I know I said at one point when we were talking, like, you can't force balance. You have to let balance find you, right? Like I yes, was trying to, I love to that. force the balance by like doing this slow and controlled like method. And I'm like, no, like your body will find its balance, but it needs to, it needs to eat all this food. It needs to have all this energy. It needs to repair first. And when it's ready, that's when you're going to have that balance and it's going to feel natural. Yeah. And, and I mean, to everyone listening, like you will stop feeling crazy around food at some point. Like you will feel satisfied and you will be able to eat a quote-unquote normal amount of food but right now if you're going through extreme hunger like you just you have so much to make up for your body's just doing so much catch-up work have you read my book rainbow girl yet if not you're definitely gonna want to grab your very own copy by visiting the link livelabelfree.com forward slash rainbow girl but you may be wondering what is my book even about well let me tell you Rainbow Girl, My Journey to Living Life in Full Color is a memoir of my entire journey. I share what it was like growing up undiagnosed autistic, how this led to the development of an eating disorder, and all the steps I took to fully recover and become label-free.
The feedback on Rainbow Girl has been so incredible already. All the messages, emails, and reviews truly warm my heart and illustrate how we need more stories of lived experience in the autism and eating disorder recovery space. Just listen to what Lou, who you may know as neurodivergent underscore Lou on Instagram, has to say about the book. Rainbow Girl is an incredibly gripping read that exceptionally captures the autistic experience of eating disorders, which is so rarely discussed. While reading, it felt like I was simultaneously walking with Livia through her darkest and most vulnerable times, but also that through her experiences, she was guiding me, sharing the light, perseverance, hope, and joy. So much of Rainbow Girl resonates with my own story and experiences as a neurodivergent individual. Livia's book highlights an empowering and authentic message that I will forever carry with me. If you want to learn how to free yourself or an autistic loved one from an eating disorder, grab your copy of Rainbow Girl today by visiting the link livelabelfree.com forward slash Rainbow Girl. So again, that's livelabelfree.com forward slash Rainbow Girl. Now, let's get back to today's episode. Valerie, you just like alluded to so many, you just gave so many like little snippets of advice, you know do this, do this, like, this is how I did it, this is what helped, um, but to kind of, like, conclude this episode, um, what, what would you say would be, like, your top advice, um, to other autistic individuals who are experiencing extreme hunger? Um, I'd say, like, the, the biggest thing is, like, don't compare, like, that, that's always been a huge thing for me (laughs) is the comparison, and not just with extreme hunger, but just, like, eating disorders, recovery in general, um, I think that, I mean, well, everyone can find a way, like your brain is always going to make it seem like, oh, you don't deserve extreme hunger. You're not sick enough. Like other people had it worse. Like you, you know, you weren't underweight or you were eating too much or whatever. And um, one thing I was actually thinking about just the other day is like, because for me, I was always like, well, I'm I'm eating too much. Like I shouldn't have been this hungry. I've been eating like a lot of food for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, And like when I was underweight and I was running like crazy and like I wasn't, I was still in an energy deficit. And one thing I thought of was like Michael Phelps. Okay, so this is weird, but yeah, yeah. like with the Olympics, so he was eating like eight to ten thousand calories per day. And I was thinking about like if he had only eaten like seven thousand calories, that's obviously still more than like yeah. any other person. That's more than pretty much anybody needs. It's not an Olympic athlete, but that would have been not enough to sustain his right. exercise and stuff. And so like his body wouldn't care that everyone else is eating, you know, way less than 7,000 calories. It would have just cared like you're eating, he was eating, you know, a thousand calories less than what he needed. And so that's still going to create a deficit. And so it just kind of is like a reminder to like, it doesn't matter what everyone else is eating. Or if you think you're eating, you know, I'm eating 3,000 calories, like this has to be enough. Like if if your body is sending signals that it's not, then it's not. And you're, you're only going to know that by trusting your body and not by comparing to other people. And so like, basically, if you have this extreme hunger, instead of thinking about like, oh, like, you know, I didn't, I wasn't sick enough to deserve this, like, take it as a sign that you were because you wouldn't have extreme hunger if your body didn't need it. Right. If you're you're having this hunger, like your body obviously needs more food. And that's the only way you're going to get through it. And just one quote that I like is, um, you know, I think that I think that finding other people's stories is like super helpful, like obviously finding your blog and your, your course and your book and stuff. And um, finding other people like as as inspiration and like, okay, wow, like this person went through extreme hunger and they made it out. But 
like not comparing like the little details, like, oh, I'm eating more than this person or they restricted longer or heavier and things like that. Um, like you can look to other people's stories for inspiration, but it shouldn't be like as a comparison because um, you have to you have to write your own story. Like don't become so focused on other people's stories that you forget to write your own is, is the quote that I like. Right. So yeah. Like looking to other people for um for inspiration, for motivation, for encouragement, but um not getting so wrapped up in and what everyone else is doing that you forget to to trust your own body and your own process and write your own story. I lo- yeah, I love the whole write your own story because I'm a huge book book person. I read a lot of books. Um and but you know, writing Rainbow Girl, like no one else could have written that for me, right? Because it's my story and yeah, I mean, you know, we can, you know, find influence and we can find other people who resonate with us. But but in the end, like, it's your body. And at the end of the day, only you can have control over what you eat and what you do. And you can't control other people. Um, So you might as well, like, save that energy to take care of yourself. Um, So, yeah, I, I feel like that's a beautiful way to wrap up. Thank you so much, Valerie, for coming on the podcast for being so vulnerable and sharing with everyone kind of your experience with extreme hunger and um the course extremely hungry to completely satisfied and wrapping up with that beautiful metaphor about Michael Phelps. I loved that so much. And yeah, um telling telling people, basically giving other people the permission to to write their own story. Um so yeah, if our listeners want to get in touch with you, wh- what would be the best way to do that? Um, probably on Instagram. I don't really like post anything. I don't, I've never really talked about like eating disorders or recovery or anything like that. But I mean, I'm always open to like, um, people messaging me or whatever. Um, so yeah, um, Valerie.315 on, on Instagram is probably the best way. So what, what does the 315 stand for? I'm, I'm always so curious when people add, you know, numbers to their email address or whatever. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> Um, yeah, it's it's my birthday. I'm not I'm not that creative. I was like, oh, yeah. okay, so. yeah. Well, it m- makes sense because I always add 19 or 99 to things because I was born right. 11 19 90, at 11 yeah, <laughs> as you know, because it's like the first chapter of my book. Um, but but yeah, thank you again so much, Valerie, and um, everyone else listening, everyone else. When I never know how to wrap up podcast episodes, like. I have like so many episodes and I'm like, what am I saying? Um, yeah. Okay. Thanks everyone for listening and I will chat with you in the next episode. Bye-bye for now. Just one foot in front of the other and you'll see around the corner soon. This podcast has been recorded by your host, Liv. This podcast has been edited by my small but mighty Live Label Free team and the beautiful song One Foot in Front of the Other that you were now listening to was written and recorded by my beautiful mom, Louise Alexandra. I am so grateful for my team and everyone who supports Live Label Free. Together, we are always stronger.